Kanye's and the Nas's and the Jay-Z's, they didn't have what we have now. So for right. them, it was, I actually think it was harder for them to come up with fans and mm-hmm. find them. Now you're at a position where it's a little bit more easier. You just got to be a little bit more strategic on how you're going to find them and retain them. You are now listening to the Music Business Streams podcast, brought to you by KDMR Music. Hey guys, welcome back to the Music Business Dreams podcast, the show that teaches you how to make your dreams in the music business come true. I'm your host, Brandon from KDMR Music, and this is episode 21. Uh, You just heard a little bit from our guest today. Her name is Bianca Moore. Um, She spent time as a digital marketing manager for a universal Motown Republic group. So she's done campaigns for Lil Wayne, Akon, Kelly Rowland, And the list goes on and on. So we had a great conversation about what it takes to uh, get a job at a major label and how to stand out once you have that job. And then, of course, we talked about marketing strategies for independent musicians. So this is a conversation you are not going to want to miss. But before I get into the interview, uh, it is Thanksgiving week. If you are listening to this on release day, then Thanksgiving is tomorrow. And I'm super excited. I hope you guys get to spend a lot of time with your family, your loved ones, and just relax, take a break from work and just the busyness of life and just get to, you know, spend time with your loved ones and really reflect on what you're thankful for. In that vein, I'm thankful that you guys are a part of our listenership. Um, I'm thankful that you trust me week in and week out to give you advice to help you find success in the music business. This is a crazy industry that we're in. There are so many people out there offering to help you when they really just want money or whatever it is, right? And so there are all kinds of scammers and all that out there. So I'm glad that you trust me the way you do to, you know, advise you and help you get further along and find success and help your dreams come true. Uh, So as a token of that gratitude, um, we are hosting a Thanksgiving sale. So from right now, if you're listening to this, if this episode is live, then the sale is live from right now until next Monday. Monday is the 26th. And so until next Monday, um, both our coaching calls and the music marketing guidebook are very steeply discounted. So you can get a coaching call, uh, an hour-long coaching call with me, which is uh, half off the normal price. So you can get a call for $50. We'll talk about your marketing strategy. Um, there's a questionnaire that you'll fill out before the call so we can make sure that we drill down into your specific needs. And you will leave that call with a detailed plan that's custom to you on how you're going to start to make your progress on your goals. Now, uh, you can also get the Music Marketing Guidebook. And the Music Marketing Guidebook is a PDF document that I created. It's about 70 pages, but it is a comprehensive guide to music marketing for those who are not familiar with it. So it's going to teach you everything you need to know to learn how to find listeners for your music, convert them into fans, and start making real money in your music career. Uh, so that book is normally $19.99. You can get it for less than $5 if you buy it between now and Monday. And again, this sale is just a token of my gratitude to you uh, because I want you guys 
all to have this information. I want to see you all succeed. So if you have not purchased the Music Marketing Guidebook or if you need you know, further help and you want to schedule a clarity call, uh, then this is the time to do it. Uh, the prices are not going to get any lower than they are right now. So if you're interested in that, then the links will be in the show notes. But let's go ahead and get into today's interview. All right, guys. So our next guest on the Music Business Dreams podcast is Bianca Moore. Uh, you may know her as the Digital Queen Bee if you follow her on her social media. But uh, she's formerly a digital marketing manager at Universal Motown Republic Group. Um, so there she helped craft strategies for artists like Lil Wayne, Kelly Rowland, Nelly, Akon, Melanie Fiona, and the list goes on as she continued that into her consulting career. Um, and we're going to learn more from the, <laughs> the woman herself. Um, and so please join me in welcoming Bianca Moore to the Music Business Dreams podcast. How are you today, Bianca? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. So um, I know we just read over your bio, but for those who may not be familiar with you or your work, why don't you give us a brief introduction? Oof, okay. Well, um, I am a digital marketer. And, um, well, I started off as an intern at Universal Music Group, and I kind of moved my way up from there, and it led to where I'm at today. Um, as you mentioned, uh, um, I was at Universal Motown Republic Group, which is under Universal Music Group for those who don't really understand how a major label might work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I started there, as, as I mentioned, as an intern. I worked my way up to uh, a new media assistant, which is basically at that time was before we even called it marketing, uh, digital marketing or online marketing. But um, at that time at the label, they called it new media because it was so new to the mm-hmm. way that um, things were going traditionally at a record label. So um, I started off there, and as I mentioned, worked my way up into manager. I literally went through almost, I feel like, almost every single position <laughs> 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 until I finally made it to digital marketing manager. And then um, I, you know, as most record labels do, they do layoffs, and I got got caught up in that, and then um, I started my own thing in 2012. I started Digital Queen Bee, and basically I started consulting for independent artists. I had a couple of major label artists that came to me, but my um, my passion for the business really is on the independent artists because so many artists don't have the luxury of being signed to a major label. Or, you know, and having those resources that a major label had. That's the luxury of being signed to a major label is the resources. Um, but I wanted to kind of come in and help the independent artists use the tools that are available to them and kind of get them thinking on the terms of how a major label might be thinking, but on a budget. So that's mm-hmm. the whole meaning behind starting Digital Queen being just doing things on my own. I got, personally, I got tired of sitting in, very long corporate meetings, and, you know, after a while, when you work at a major label, um, things become more about business and less about the music. Right. So that was the kind of, like, my exiting there was kind of, uh, it was a blessing in disguise, now that I think about it. Okay, cool. So um, let's take it a step back. Um, 
like like to the beginning, what got you interested in working in the music industry? Um, I would tell people I was a very weird child. <laughs> I, I normally tend to think that, in my mind, I think that a lot of people, especially for me, um, when I say I'm a weird child, I love music on a whole different level than an average music fan. You know, my love for music came, you know, I always wanted to know what happened behind the scenes. How was that song created? Uh, who made the song? How mm -hmm. is the song marketed? Those are things that went through my mind as a kid. Mm -hmm. And um, and it started kind of when I was in the eighth grade. And at that time, I wanted to be a music producer because, you know, Tough Daddy, not Diddy, <laughs> Tough Daddy at the time was this big, you know, he was this big music producer, and he had Bad Boy, and that kind of really inspired me to get behind the scenes. He really did, and learned as much as I can. So in the eighth grade, my mom actually sent me to a, a school to do a class, and it was like a, a class on learning how to do a, how to, how to work a, Media, I think it was media or something like that. Something with music producing. I had no clue what I was doing. I thought I wanted to be a music producer. I wasn't that creative in that aspect of it. I I learned later on. But my mom said, "Well, if you're really serious about learning about the business, let me get you a book." So she said, "All right, the class didn't work. You don't really know what you're doing on the production side. That's not your thing." So she got me um, Donald Passman's book, "Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business." Mm -hmm. And that's what opened my eyes to seeing everything, that there was all these other jobs. I didn't have to be a music producer because I'm not that creative in that aspect. But there was marketing, there was A&R, there was so many different things I didn't even know exist until I got this book. So that mm. kind of started my passion for music. Okay. Cool, cool. And then so, that's funny, that book comes up so often in this podcast, Um and it's the number two book that I recommend to artists right now, independent artists, with number one being Ari Herstan's new book. Um, but I just think it's it's funny just how many people that book has reached and affected um, and how many people have gotten started just from reading it. So that's that's cool um, that you share that with so many other people as well. Um, so from reading the book to getting into the door of a label, what kind of steps did you take? Um, for me, the first step that I took was, um, I went to college. <laughs> I went to college. And for me, you know, some people, they were able to get an internship in high school. I didn't have those connections at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have any, I didn't know anybody in the business. So I started with, you know, I was, I knew that when I graduated high school, I wanted to be in the music business. And I wanted to stay in New York, just for everyone to know. Um, I live in New York now. I've always lived in New York since the age of seven. So um, I knew that the business was in New York, and I knew that I wanted to go to school in New York so I could be in the business and be with everybody so I could kind of, like, scale up quicker than most people. Right. And my plan actually worked. <laughs> um, I got into Five Town College in Long Island, and it's mm -hmm. a music business school. And what I did from there was I learned the business, and I decided to start my internship early. And once I was able to get an internship, um, well, hold on. Let me go back for a second because I think this is important to know. Um, it wasn't easy getting an internship. 
I got turned down a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I knew at the time I wanted to, the hottest label at the time besides Bad Boy was Death Jam. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to intern at Death Jam. And that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at Def Jam. That's what led me to Universal Music Group. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't get in. That For some reason, internships at Def Jam, you just, at that time, it was very hard to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't get in. And then Motown came up. And I was like, ah, I mean, I guess I could do Motown. I, you know, I, I, I was always a fan of Barry Gordy. So yeah, uh-huh. I'll do Motown. You know, uh-huh. Motown was, was where it was at for me. I went there thinking, okay, I'm going to do Motown and then I'm going to transfer over to Def Jam. As long as I'm in the system, I'm good. That was what I thought. So yeah, right. I started off as an intern and I worked at Motown, turned out to be, I was an intern at Motown for two years while I was in college. So um, I think the the most important takeaway from that little thing was, one, was persistence. <laughs> um, two would probably be um, when you're interning, if you have that opportunity, I always tell people, as soon as you get to college, see how, how, how soon can you start? Because I had two years in college of being in there. I, you know, I didn't have to worry about bills. I didn't have to worry about all that. I was blessed that they even kept me around for two years as an intern. But it worked in my favor because guess what? By the time college was over with during that whole four years, I got a job at Universal at Motown. That was my very first job. Wow. That's what's up. And so to, to maximize on an internship, what, what tips would you give someone? Let's say they, they just got the word. They got the internship. What what would you do to make yourself stand out, um, you know, to make sure that you were considered if there is opportunity for a job afterward? I think the first thing you should do is get to know everybody. Now, work with everybody in the building as you possibly can on a staff level. And also on an um, intern level, you know, you should know who your peers are. But just going back on the staff level, getting to know everybody, even if they're outside of the department that you're interning with, Get to know them, especially the key players. Um, standing out obviously comes down to marketing yourself. And marketing yourself is now easier than it was when I first started. And I say that because you have social media now. Right. <laughs> you have social media now, so now you're able to really document your whole internship as a whole now. You know, mm-hmm. you can sit there and really build up your resume and say, well, this is what I did while I was interning. Yeah, I was at whatever department that I documented and look how many followers I have now, you can really use all that data and leverage now into helping you get a, landing a job. Those right. are things I didn't have before. Before, I literally had to go in there and not say kiss ass, but um, I had to learn how to read people and mm-hmm. how, to, um, how to appeal to them. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but... I'll use this one quick example, and that being the lady that I interned with, her name was Jackie Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. She was at that time the VP of urban marketing. A lot of people would tell you, oh, you know, Jackie's wonderful, but she's, you know, she can be a hard person to get to. Some people were intimidated by her. I was not intimidated by her. You know, one time I had this opportunity to, to talk to her, and I asked her questions, and from there, we build a relationship that we still have to this day. 
So I definitely think that, um, you know, building relationships is very key. As I mentioned in the beginning, get to know everybody and use social media and market yourself. Got you. Okay. Cool, cool. It's funny. My uncle, um, the reason I work in the music business now is because my uncle in the early 90s worked in marketing for Atlantic Records. So he worked on campaigns for Junior Mafia and for Brandy um, and Aaliyah. And so, like, I go to my grandmother's house in Queens, and he's got, like, platinum plaques and all that. Oh, just going to make your heart sing. Oh, right. Historic. Historic. That's history right there. Exactly. And so he, um, but it's funny, he got started as an intern as well. And our, he tells a story and about being even considered for the internship because it was like, there wasn't really a position open at the time. Um, they had filled the internship program and the lady really only gave him the time of day because of where he was working at the time. And at the time, his whole pitch was, well, you know, there's the stigma that black people don't use the Internet and that's not true and da, 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 da. And so he basically got his internship by pitching the idea of websites for the artists. And that's how he ended up with his job. So Brandy's website, foreverbrandy.com, that was his creation. But it's interesting just the story of the tenacity that it takes to even get yourself a shot in those situations. A lot of people won't do that work. Um, and so you making it from the outside in, what mistakes do you feel like people make when trying to pursue an internship or pursue opportunities inside the music business? I think the biggest mistake that I see, especially now, is entitlement. I, I hate to say that, but it's true. I think a lot of people go, well, I, you know, they think they get in, they get in, and then they're, they think they're entitled. I'm entitled to, to get this job. I'm entitled to, to, to get the work. Why, why, I don't have to get your coffee. I don't have to do that because that's ridiculous. But, mm -hmm. you know, let me say something. There were, in the beginning of my internship, there were many times where I was getting lunch for staff. There were many times that I was put in the cab to get birthday cakes for other people's birthdays on staff. I mm. had to work and show that I was capable of getting projects. And I think the mistake that I see a lot going on is people assume that when you become an intern, automatically they're going to put give you projects. And that's kind of unfair to think that you're going to get that. You're not going to. You know, some internships, they may have you just post up posters. I don't know. It depends on the department. Or they might just have you sit there answering phones. You have to own that and be the best damn person to answer the phone ever. You need to mm -hmm. learn and see that the opportunity in answering phones is actually very grateful. And I'm going to tell you why it is. Because you now can just talk to whoever it is on the opposite end. It could be, I don't know, I'm just saying this out, Birdman on the opposite end, calling for whoever it is. Now they know your name. They know your name. They've heard your voice. So when they come in the office and they see you and they hear you, they're going to know that was you that was on the other end. 
But it's up to you to take that and use that power. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah, the adrenaline is just too, too much now. It's going rapid everywhere. Everybody thinks that I'm supposed to get this. I'm so, you know, I'm going to just shoot up the ladder just like that. And that's not how it works no more. We got to start thinking about, again, the coffee and the answering the phones, <laughs> the basic right. stuff. Get, master the basic stuff, and I guarantee you, you will get up there. Master it and put a spin on it, your own personal little spin, without being disrespectful, you will you will grow up. It, I mean, you will grow against that ladder or go up and higher. But um, you got to humble yourself and know that I'm starting from the bottom, and many times you may not get paid. That's mm-hmm. another thing. People assume because, you know, well, it's an internship. I don't want to do it for free. You know, that's another thing I'm hearing a lot. I get it. We live in a society. We all have bills to pay. But um, you want your foot in the door, and they're giving you an opportunity to intern. Take that free opportunity and figure out a way to make money. We've got the Internet now, so there's no excuses. You know, you have no excuse why you can't make any money and still work for free at an internship. There's, there's different ways around that. Right. Right. I mean, I know people follow like Gary V. Gary V. does this whole like, OK, go to go to yard sales and flip things for profit. Exactly. And I know exactly right. what you're talking about, because I follow him, especially on the weekends. He does that challenge. Yes. You know, and I wish I would have really been aware of that challenge when I was an intern, you know. Right. But um, those are things that people need to consider. Like when you go in as an intern, most likely they're not going to pay you. And mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not at a giant corporation like a Universal or Atlantic, which is under Warner, they may not give you college credit, and they may not give you a voucher for transportation. So let's say you're at some, I don't know, management company, and they may not have all that corporate um, machine and policies. They may just be like, well, look, this is this is the desk. That's it. Take it. Right. Take it and make the best out of it as you possibly can. Right. Listen, man, take $200 out of your refund check from school. Go buy a GoPro. Like, document everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have social media. You have YouTube. You have Facebook. And none of those services are charging you to use them right now. You know, find your friend who's studying graphic design or digital media at school with you. Get them to splice together some videos. You can get, like, eight hours worth the content is, you know, put your GoPro at your desk. Birdman walked into the office. Okay, cool. If he's cool with it, you know, record y'all's conversation. You don't have to put any confidential information out, right? Nope. But, you know, document what you're doing, put together a reel, and just say, hey, this is, this is what I've been doing. Or you can even post clips to your personal social media. So now, I mean, like we talk about, um, gosh, what was her name? Uh, Carla, Hustle Girl. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had the, yeah. Right, she had the blog, she was doing graphics for Lil Wayne, and she's still, you know, a major player in the industry now, just like Karen Civil, you know, and, and all of that comes from just seeing the opportunity that you have and learning to play the long game, you yeah. know? Yeah, and I gotta, just go not to cut you off, but when you mentioned Karen Civil's name, I remember Karen Civil coming into 
the office all the time. And she mm-hmm. was a blogger. She was, you know, a blogger that I, at that time I was in charge when I moved up this in the department. But um, I was in charge of making sure the Karens and of the world got to whatever events that we're going to or they got the music or whatever it is. So, you know, these people that you're mentioning, you know, and, and, I, and I mentioned this before, make sure you know your peers. Keep in contact with those peers and everyone in the building as much as you can because look, look where they are today. Right. She's bigger than just being a blogger now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so, so yeah, I think there's a lot to learn from because I, I think we do a lot of like trashing major labels and like the the industry as a whole, you know, because they're seen as being big and slow and not being up on trends or whatever. But there's so much great work being done inside those buildings and, you know, from people who have been affected by those buildings, you know, that it's it's just it's it's great to see some of the success stories and be reminded of them. And so with that being said, I did want to kind of talk about um, from your perspective, uh, being on a major label versus being independent and what the advantages or disadvantages of each could be. Okay. Well, I think let me touch on the major first. Okay. The, The major major being on a major label you know, it, it comes with, it's a gift and a curse. And I say that because one of the advances is, well, the, if your record is really good, they'll put extra, they'll give you a, a, a big budget. And that budget, you can, they, they, they will, not you, <laughs> they will put towards radio. They will put towards making sure that you have the proper promotion video-wise. They will make sure that, you know, you, you have the proper support um, tour-wise. But here's the here's the curse of it. The curse of it is you got to pay all that money back. <laughs> I know that sounds like, oh, the label's just giving, giving, giving. Yes, yeah, they're investing in the record and in your brand. But you, on the back end, you're still paying for all that. Right. You're pay- it's, coming out, it's coming out of your budget, but it's coming out of advance. You know, that's why they go, oh, yeah, we're going to give you all that extra money. But on the back end, we're going to make sure we get it all back. Right. You know, and that's where it comes into play. Um, that's you know, that's the gift and the curse of, of of a major label. You know, obviously you get you you get a team, you get a whole entire staff that is there to work your project when you are priority. When you're mm-hmm. off of priority, depending on what kind of artist you are, if you're not on the top niche of artists that they have on the roster, they may not answer your emails as fast. They may not do things as fast for you when you are not priority. Mm. But um, I would say, you know, another advantage besides the fact that you're going to get that big radio push, you're also looking at on internationally, you know. If you mm. weren't able to do it on your own before, but now you're signed to a major label, they're going to, you know, they have a whole entire staff across the pond. You know, in all different areas that are going to help promote you. You know, so that's another plus and a bonus. Right. On the flip, now when we're talking independent, independent, I actually love independent more than I love majors. And I say this because I've been inside, so I know, I've seen artists get signed, I see how excited they come in the building when they sign their contracts, 
and they meet the staff. In the beginning, it's all beautiful. You're hyped. You're ready to go. But I've seen the relationship go real sour mm-hmm. as soon as you don't have that hit. And, you know, the label doesn't want to give you a budget. We've, we've heard the stories. We've seen it online. Right. We, you know, we've seen it online. Hell, I've seen it in person. I've seen a couple artists come in and track rooms because they were upset. Mm-hmm. Because the label's not doing or promoting their album, and now their album is flopping. They've put all this creativity into it. And now it's like, what do I do without your help? And I think for the independent artist, you're in a different position because you're already doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know at the end of the day, most of these independent artists, you don't eat unless you get make some money. So the first thing you're already thinking is, how can I make money? How can I keep things floating? So I am getting my name out there. Um, so for the independent artist, it's much more easier now to be independent. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, I think independent is where it's at. Right. You know, everything that a major label can do for you, you kind of can do for yourself if you have the right budget, if you had the right people, even if it's a consultant that you hire here and there to help you, guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it can be hard to get on radio nowadays. You, you know, it's probably harder than it was before. But guess what? You know what we didn't have then? You got Spotify now. Right. You have Spotify. And if I was an indie, an independent artist, my whole thing would be to figure out how can I get to know the people who work at Spotify? Because right. sooner or later, and I'm telling you this right now, eventually, Spotify is going to be in every single car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're going to see it in there. And they're going to be competing with radio. They right. will be. I really, I truly think that I see that already. They're going to be competing with radio. They've got their playlisting going on. And, um, you know, the advantage, you got to remember, the advantage of being an independent artist is you have control. You don't have to sit here and have a whole bunch of wait for other people's projects to come out for you to be a priority. You are a priority, which means, it, it, yeah, it, it's a little bit intimidating, especially if you don't have no money. But as he mentioned earlier, there's so many different ways you can make money online that you could be using to, to support your career right. and your projects. Mm-hmm. It's just up to you to be determined to get it done. Right. And I think that's a perfect segue into the services that you offer now. Um, so let's talk about Digital Queen B and, you know, what you do for independent artists right now. Okay. So what I do now is um, I do provide consulting on on the digital aspects of things, of helping you come up with your digital marketing plan, Um I do a little, I do social media as well for you, um, helping artists build up their social media pages. I like to call it fan building. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal is to take a follower and make them into a fan. Right. Because at the end of the day, without a fan, you can't really get your music out. Mm-hmm. So my goal is when I get people that come in, when I get artists that come to me, I see, you know, a lot of them go, oh, I want to be on blah, 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 blog or whatever playlist. And the first question I ask them is, 
realistically, can you tell me how many fans you have on a mailing list or how many fans you got here and here there? And they'll tell me I only got, I don't know, 100. And I'll look at them and be like, well, you're not going to get that playlist. <laughs> I'm going to be realistic with you. And I go through goals. My my whole thing is the service that I provide is we set up realistic goals to help you obtain what, what that bigger goal is, you know? Um yeah. The digital team D as of lately, I've been transitioning less, doing less of the, of the consulting and more of coaching, music business coaching. And the reason why I came up with, um, Get Coach Up program is because I come across many independent artists who don't know where to start. They mm. think they need to hire independent consultants, but they really technically don't or can't afford it. Right. The Get Coach Up program is basically it's an easy way for me to help you strategize what it is that you need to do first in your career or with whatever project that you have. Getting you organized and getting you motivated to get things done off that checklist. So let's do this. Let's say I'm walking in the door from the beginning or I reach out to you from the beginning and we can kind of do broad strokes overview. But... What would you say typically should be the first step for an artist trying to get started and mar- trying to market themselves to a larger audience? Your first step should be is you need to identify who you are as an artist and who you want to market to. Who is your target audience? Gotcha. I think if you nail those if you nail those two things down in the beginning, it will then help you it will then help us as a whole figure out what we need to do strategy-wise. You know, a lot of artists don't know who their target audience is. They can't even tell me what their target audience is like. Right. And I think think for us as marketers, that's kind of like a no-brainer. Like, well, you need to know who you are, who you're marketing to, where they are, where they would find the things they like, right? But I think for an artist, that doesn't necessarily come naturally. Um, Is it so is there like a a sort of like mindset that you try to give them to apply or a resource that you point them to to kind of figure that, that part out? I actually, I have all my clients fill out an artist questionnaire form. And it's literally a list of questions of what do you like, what do you dislike. I get very niched with it. I'll ask you, what kind of brands do you like? What do you like? Why did you even become an artist? <laughs> I start out with that questionnaire form because one, I want to, I want to get to know you and I take that information and I will help you figure out what you, what you're missing. Right. You know, I get it. A lot of artists, they want to focus on their art, which is Mm -hmm. great because you need to focus on your art. But also part of that process of focusing on your art, your music, depending on what kind of music you're doing, it kind of already tells the story of who you are. It's just getting it into words of how can we market it right and i think i think something that is is great um for artists to understand is you know most of us who listen to music we listen to the artists that we listen to because we identify with them mm-hmm. right so like i think when you're trying to figure out okay who's your target audience i think it's great that you have them answer those questions okay well who are you because the reality is most people that listen to you are going to be similar to you, except they don't know how to make music. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the only difference. So it's like, yeah, if you like reading, you know, Vibe magazine or whatever, your audience probably does too. You know, and so you don't have to overthink it, but you do have to think about it. Yeah. And, you know, I say the, the perfect example of that would probably be Rihanna. I'm a huge Rihanna fan, right? There was a, in the, there was a beginning of a period of her career where I don't even think she really knew who she was as an artist. She was whoever Def Jam wanted her to be. Right. <laughs> right? And then mm-hmm. as she grew into who she was as an individual, that persona came into her brand, you know? It started right. coming out in her music. And who she was. So, you know, a lot of times it may take, you know, a lot of people come to me like, I don't know who I, I don't know. I just know I want to, this is what I want to do and this is my music. So, you know, that's why I come up with that list of questions of, well, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. If you can't answer who you are, you can't uh, authentically tell me who you are. Not who you want to be, but just who you are. You're going to run into a lot of problems because, you know, nowadays the consumer, they smell when you fake. Right. <laughs> they smell when you're fake, and when they smell that you're fake, a lot of they will not support it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think your point about Rihanna is, is a great one, and I think it's, it's kind of the same reason people like Cardi B or they gravitate toward her. Right. Because, you know, you see online people like, oh, she's giving me life or whatever girls say. Right. Because it's like this, like, OK, I see what you're doing. And that reminds me of me. Or for some people, that's it reminds me of who I want to be. You know, like, right. I wish I could be like you, but I can't. So I'll live I'll live vicariously through you. So, you know, deciding who you are and then standing for that is hugely important. Right. It's the reason that Kanye can go to the White House and stand next to President Trump. And then walk out feeling like he still has support. Because Kanye... Yes, it is. <laughs> you know? Because Kanye, no matter, you know, love him or hate him, he's always been decidedly who he is. Yes, he's unapologetically who he is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I'm one of, I love Kanye and I also hate Kanye all at the same time. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we could all say that. But um, yeah, so I think that that first piece about just identifying yourself that goes so much further because it it determines a lot we talked about that on this show uh, a few episodes back but just how branding is you know of course all parts of who you are but it's also knowing who you're not you know right because if you're not if you're not you know if you're not rihanna you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be trying to act like rihanna that's not you know we already have a rihanna already she exactly. Is she is. We already have a Cardi B. She's who she is. We already have a Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. We have a La- Lady Gaga. Who well, who are you? Right. And so that and then that that mindset even helps determine like what you say on social media, what type of pictures you take for your Instagram, like all of that. You know, it determines everything, everything. Because then now, once we know who you are, and once we know what the music is about, then you can really strategically decide, well, what do I need to post? Right. What do I need to post that's going to help me get some more fans? Or what do I need to post that's going to retain the fans that I already have? Right. 
And and so with that being said, I know you do a lot of social media um, consulting, and that's kind of a lot of where your brand is built on right now. What um, what kinds of strategies do you help artists employ um, to take advantage of social media and the reach that you're able to attain with that? Um, I think one of my one of the strategies that I use most often is, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people hear it is, please be. Strategy number one is to be consistent with posting. Mm. I think, especially in the beginning, I get people that come to me and they post once a week, and that's not enough. Right. <laughs> it's not enough. So my number one, number one in my book is okay. Let's get consistent. Let's come up with a uh, with a plan of what we're gonna do every mm. week or every day or whatever other day, depending on you know the frequencies of that we need to do. My my second strategy is coming through data. You know, we didn't have the, – the, the information and data that we have today is pretty pretty damn amazing because a lot mm-hmm. of times we didn't have that in, in the beginning. You know, you can say what you want about Facebook and not liking it, but the information that it gives you is, in terms of research, it's pretty damn good. And if you're smart, you can use that information to come up with content. Right. So that's that's the strategy that I definitely use. Um, what else can I say as far as strategy? Strategy, um, think outside the box. Not everything is about music. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where you know we we I know we keep bringing it up, but who are you comes into play because besides the music, who are you? Right. You know, what can you share with me about you that's going to make me like you as a whole? Because I'm telling you right now, your music could be terrible, but if people like you, they will buy it. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They will buy it. They will buy it because they just want to genuinely support you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I remember um, when Wale was first coming out, like, you know, taking over blogs and whatnot. Wale was already kind of a legend in the sneaker community. And I know because I was on those early sneaker forums with him. And it's like, man, he got these SBs. He's got these, like, whatever, whatever, right? And so Wale, if I see him post on Instagram, I might follow Wale on Instagram just to see what kind of sneakers he's wearing. Because I know that's a big part of his brand, right? And so there's so many opportunities I think musicians overlooked to to showcase their personality and who they are. Mm-hmm. I but, definitely um, agree with you. So, um, let's see. How, now, when we talk about social media, a lot of us, you know, a lot of it seems kind of, it It seems like it's there just to be there at times, right? Or if you if you don't have the right mindset behind it, it could just be, okay, I'm posting because I have to post. But how do you then turn, you know, social media traffic, um, data analytics or whatever, or just, you know, your overall strategy, how do you kind of flip that and make it a source of growth for you and for your career? Oh, okay. How do I flip that? I mean, I always tell people, it's great. You know, you can have a huge social media following, Mm -hmm. but how many of those did you transfer into a to an actual super fan. Mm-hmm. 
people look at me and go, what is a super fan? That, the super fan is the person who's going to sit there and sign up for your, your emailing list and actually open up your email and right. actually do something. They're either going to click, buy something, or they show up at a show. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I, when I think of just, you know, flipping that, using that social media and all that analytics, I think my end, your end result should be is gaining that super fan mm-hmm. and maintaining the super fan. At the end of the day, that's what all this is really leading up to when it comes to social media for me. Right. It is. I, my, my focus is, once you're building that brand, we're going to take all of that and put it into, I don't care what anyone says, a mailing list to me is like a cash register. <laughs> all mm. I hear is dollar signs in my head as a marketer. It's dollar signs because it, you got to think about it. It takes a minute for somebody to give you their personal email and information. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that, it's really maintaining and building on that relationship. That's really what's most important to me and what it should be to an artist. So let's talk about, I guess, maybe list building strategies. How do I get some, turn someone from a follower into, you know, an email follower? Um, Strategy-wise, well, obviously it's going to come down to, you know, a lot of people do contesting. You can do a contest. But the thing mm-hmm. about the contesting is this is where contesting kind of goes a little left. After a while, you do a contest, and then people enter the contest, but you don't take those names and actually start week by weekly or monthly emailing these people. They, you right. know, if you don't, where's the follow up? Right. Right. Some people they do a contest, they don't do no follow up. So then those people, you know, they'll start unsubscribing once you start hitting them with some stuff. So, you know, you can do contesting, that's one way, but you gotta make sure that your follow up is strong. Um, another way is, you know, create just exclusive content, quality content, just for that emailing list. So maybe it's you actually monthly calling a fan, and then you're, you know, you're telling everyone, look, I want you to sign up for my mailing list because monthly or I do birthday shout-out calls, and I call a select number of fans. Maybe you do that. Something. You've got to give people the good incentive to want to give you their email, whether it's a special sale, a coupon, uh, like I just said, the birthday shout-out. Many, there's so many different things you can do, and a lot of that, and I know we keep bringing this up, but a lot of it comes down to who you are as an artist. Right. Because if you're a chatterbox, then yeah, you're gonna, if you enjoy meeting fans, then getting on the phone or, or, or FaceTiming a fan once a month is, you know, that might be your thing. And that might get people excited, you know? Right. Because then, if you do something like that, you could like record it and then repurpose the content. Mm-hmm. You know, then people know, oh, yo, such such really fake country. Like who does that? Ryan Leslie is a good one. <laughs> right. Ryan Leslie is very active. You know, he's been this way since when even when we signed him at Motown. He's mm-hmm. always been this way. He always talks to his fans. 
That's why he came up with the super phone. Right. So, but yeah, I think it's taking that information and really creating exclusive content for them. And I'm not talking about, here's a free download. No, you need to really get creative and think about what piece of content is going to be different than what I'm offering on Instagram, Facebook. What am I not off, you know? So, for example, Nas released an album, yes, uh, released a, a video to go along with his album yesterday. It's like a 20, 30 minute short film. And, you know, it's little snippets of the song, sn- Slick Ricks in the video, whatever, right? And, you know, the album came out a couple months ago, right before Jay Z and Beyonce came out and kind of got overshadowed. But, but yeah. this, this video kind of helped renew some interest in that project. But what if Nas said, okay, I've got a video that I did slick ricks in it. We've got we got visuals for every song on the album and you can get it by going to my website and sending your email address. I'll send it to you directly. Right? Now, obviously there's not necessarily a reason for Nas or someone on that that plane to do that cuz he doesn't ha- he doesn't necessarily need that one-on-one interaction to drive sales. But let's say he did. Right? Let's say he was like, "Okay, now that everyone's reporting on this, I'm going to send everyone to this one link. They're going to give me their email address and I'll send them the video. Now, three days later, Nas can say, oh, by the way, there's exclusive merchandise not available anywhere else. Click here to buy it. And he's reaching out to you directly. If I got an email from Nas like, hey, thanks for checking out the video. By the way, here's a shirt and here's 25 percent off the shirt. I'm probably buying that shirt. Well, yeah. You're you a super not fan. Exactly. <laughs> you, you're that super fan. You you show up to a Nas concert. You you are the one that is playing Nas's music, whether it's new, old, whatever. Right. And so, and I think artists don't realize this, but you all have super fans. Whether you've got a hundred fans, a thousand fans, ten thousand, whatever, right? There is some percentage of your fan base that will give you money every time you ask for it. And that's a, that's a weird way to say it. But, you know, they they support you. You know, they want they want all parts of the success of your career. And it's like, you know, it's like people we'll talk about like people that go to a Kanye show, right? Like I know a kid who went to the Kanye concert. Kanye didn't even play our market. So he drove 5 hours to DC to oh, get to the fan. Right, Woo! to get to the St. Pablo tour. He bought the Yeezys, couldn't get them, you know, the day they came out. So he paid resale for them. So he's paid, he paid 500 for his sneakers, goes to the tour, right, and buy, buys the tour shirt. Mm. The tour shirt was $85. And when I tell you it just said St. Pablo on the front, tour on the back, and was printed on a Gildan shirt where they didn't even replace the label. Which then means he technically could have just went on Teespring and made his own St. Pablo shirt. Exactly. Exactly. But he wanted it because it came from Kanye camp. It's official tissue. Right. And there are people that will support you the same way. If that guy's willing to do all that for Kanye and Kanye barely interacts with him on a regular basis, you know, or interacts with him at all, how much more is someone willing to support you? If you decide, okay, let me keep up with my fans. Let me send them an email every week or every other week to let them know what I'm doing. Let me give them a heads up when I'm coming to their town and let them buy tickets early. Let me stay and do meet and greets after the shows. You right. Know, 
how much more is someone willing to support you than they are these, you know, superstars? Man, I'm glad you, you that Kanye fan, that used to be me a couple of years ago when Kanye, probably around graduation time. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone to, I think, I forgot the name of the tour. Um, no, it was a graduation tour, yes, because it was with the bear. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been to a lot of Kanye shows. You know, New York is a big market. Right. And um, at that time, I was working at a label, so technically, I probably could have gotten free tickets, right? Mm-hmm. I've always paid for my Kanye tickets. Right. I've I've been to almost every show during that during that duration of of the graduation time. Mm-hmm. I went to almost all Kanye shows that he did in New York. I bought probably a lot of merch that I still have to this day that's sitting in a box. Mm-hmm. I bought that. He had a thank you book that came with it. Yep. Yeah, I, I bought that too. The thank you book. The, I had a lot of Kanye stuff because right. I was definitely I, at that time. I was all about Kanye. I, he was he, in my mind. He was a genius, musical mm-hmm. genius. He was right. out there. So yeah, every every artist has that fan. It's just finding them and retaining them. Right. You know, and engaging with them. And I don't mean engaging once a week either. I mean. For the independent artist, you're not at a Kanye point. Mm-hmm. But you want to be. You're not at a Nas point. But you want to be. So, but you also, the, the Kanye's and the Nas's and the Jay-Z's, they didn't have what we have now. So right. for them, it was, I actually think it was harder for them to come up with fans and mm-hmm. find them. Now you're at a position where it's a little bit more easier you just got to be a little bit more strategic on how you're going to find them and retain them. Right. Because, you know, the story of Jay-Z, Jay-Z used to travel down the East Coast, performing in D.C. and everywhere else he could perform to get people to know who he was, right? You can do all of this from the comfort of your bedroom. You, you don't have to go nowhere. Like, honestly, if you wanted to say, you know what, I, I, I just I want to build my following in... I'm just using this, London, mm-hmm. and you live in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Right. You yeah, can they... totally do that with just the music alone. And then once you start building up, you can start book- booking your own shows exactly. across the pond. But that's, exactly. if you're, that's if you're hungry and if you want to put in the work. We're right. dealing with a lot of artists that don't want to put in the work. They want to be independent. They want the Jay-Z and the Kanye status, but they don't want to put in the work. Right. And that's the problem that we're dealing with. That's why we have so many people buying followers. Fake followers, fake comments. They're buying it because they want it to look good. Mm. You know what? And, and, and while you're on that subject, I want to ask you, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see artists making on social media? or kind of misconceptions that they may have about the way things work? Okay. I'll, I'll go with the, the misconception first. Okay. <laughs> I think um, the misconception is um, I can literally fake it until I make it all the time. Mm. I think that that's the thing where some people are lucky that they can fake it until they make it. Some aren't. You, mm. don't, know which, you don't know which side of the coin you're going to be on. <laughs> so... With that being said, if you, you know, you, you can take the risk and, and, and buy the fake followers. But I always tell people, okay, so you bought all these 
fake followers. The company told you they're all organic, which I know they're not. They're sitting there with a bunch of freaking computers running mm-hmm. bots, right? We know this already. Um, you've got the fake followers. Now what? Okay, so you've got over 100,000 followers, and the majority of them are fake. Right. Now what? How is that going to help you get your music out? How is that going to eventually help you monetize? That is my question. And what are you going to do if one day Instagram or whatever it is decides, oh, today's the day where we shut down all accounts that have fake fake followers, fake bots. We're just shutting them all down. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Because now you're part of that. Right. You have to start over again. So I, I bring those questions up and I say, are you willing to risk that just for a couple, you know, for fans? Or are you willing to put in the work to actually obtain those? Because it's not that hard to build a following online. You just yeah. got to be consistent and be creative with what you put out. It's not that hard. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, you know, and then, you know, there's a fake it till you make it. It works for some people and it does not. But it's one of those things. It's like a coin toss. Okay? Mm-hmm. You might make it tells you may not. I don't know. You don't know. Right. And for you to assume that a record label, because, you know, a lot of them want to get signed. That's another thing. They assume if I have a whole bunch of followers, right, mm-hmm. that eventually I'm going to get signed to a label. That's completely BS. Right. Because it's only a, that's, that's a little fraction of what a record label in the A&R department looks for. Mm-hmm. You know? These are investors. This is, these are investors. And you gotta think, these are investors. They're looking at the whole portfolio as a whole. Right. Before they have you sign on that dotted line. Mm-hmm. They know when you have fake followers. You wanna know how I know they know? I've sat in meetings. And we, 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 we know. We have the software that we use. All, they're out there. The software is out there. We can run it and tell you, well, your account may say you have 100,000 followers, but on here it says you have maybe 5,000 who are actually authentic human beings following you, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, you can sit here and buy all the Spotify plays all you want to, but the end result is going to be, well, how much is Spotify paying you out on the back end? Mm. Because you think that Spotify doesn't know that you're juicing your plays? They're not trying to pay you for fake plays. They're going to be stingy with their money. So you best believe on the back end, they are already knowing whose account has fake plays. Right. So, you know, like, it's, you can't buy your way all the way up to the top. You're going to have to be a little bit more strategic with how you do things like that. Right. And that's the warning that I tell a lot of artists. Um. At any moment, the rules can change. They can tell you tomorrow they're 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 banning your account because you got a whole bunch of bots. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you gonna do? Right. You know, um, some of the A and R's they still call, they still go out to shows. Believe it or not, from the, mm-hmm. some of the ones that I know that are still in the building, they still go out to shows because they want to see how you perform. They want to see the feel of the crowd. Right? They want to mm-hmm. feel the energy. Because that lets them know if there's really momentum behind you in the, in the record. If you right. can't get half of your followers to be at a show, 
you have a problem. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of buying all of that if you can't get half those people to an event? That is a problem. Yeah, very much so. And I think just, you know, and I've said this before, but artists are in love with the idea of looking successful. Yeah. But they hate the work it takes to become successful. And that's not that's not how the music business works. <laughs> right. You can't you can't you can't do that. It, everything takes work. Even your favorite artist to this day has to work. Mm-hmm. It is their job. And it's for you to treat it not like a job is an insult. Mm-hmm. It's an insult to the craft, it's an insult to the business. Right. Because I mean it's better. We talk about the major labels and, you know, the advantages. They have these staffs. They have people who are willing to come behind you and help work your project, right? But in reality, these labels depend on your success to be successful themselves. It's no different, and I keep, and I use, I say this all the time. It's no different than buying a stock. (laughs) You're not going to buy a McDonald's stock and not look at the portfolio. You're going to want right. to look and see what what they're doing monthly. You want to look and see what their expenses are. It's the same thing. It is. <laughs> it's the same thing. Right. And so it's like, why should I invest in you versus the 17 other people that knocked on my door today? Yeah, and then, you know, I, you get the artists who get frustrated when they see people who don't really make good music, but they get signed. Well, let me tell you why they got signed. Look at the look at the traction that they have created. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they use their personality, they use whatever it is. The you know, the case yeah. being, look at what is that little boy's name? The sixty nine boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like come on. He's yeah. nothing but a reincarnated version of fifty cents. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he he has took the fifty cent model and modernized it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. mostly—he's not mostly known for his music. We know—we know his record. Yes, mm-hmm. we know his records. We know that he's making the charts, but he's very strategic with how he gets there, and he knows that marketing and promotion is very important. Which is why he sits there and he trolls people, and they right. fall, and they fall for it. So right. you know, again, I'm not saying you got to go down that direction, but. I can't even fight. You, you gotta say he's doing he's doing work, whether right. you want to believe it or not. He's doing work. He's putting in that effort. Right. Is it stupid and 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 not really? Yeah, some of it is. But we've seen this before. Oh, well, I've seen it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's connecting, right? So yeah, it's 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 connecting, and he's still hitting those 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 Billboard charts. You right. know. He's still right. getting those billboard charts. He's still getting he's still getting those celebrity features because now mm-hmm. they want to be part of of this train wreck. Well, I call it a train wreck because I don't know when this train is going to be officially wrecked. But right. <laughs> you know they want to be a part of that. You know, he has Definitely. created this persona and this excitement behind his brand. Mm-hmm. So um, but yeah. You can't gotcha. take the easy way out. Everything is work. Right. Okay. So what else you got for me? 
All right. Well, so I was just about to wrap up. Um, this has been a great conversation. Now, before we do wrap up, um, you know, is there any parting advice or wisdom or a final point that you want to make sure that artists get from our conversation today? I think the my final thing to everyone is that um, I know a lot of people frown upon the music business and they think it's the devil, whatever negative word you want to put it. But mm-hmm. it's no different than the movie business. It's no different than TV. It's no different than um, the education business, the business of education. It's no different than any other business. Right. It's a business. And I think as an artist, I know you're dealing with a lot. You want to be creative, but it is part of your job to learn certain things about the business. Right. And to know that, you know, you, you know, you are, you are your brand. Mm-hmm. You are your brand. Your brand is a part of the business. And if you do not manage it and you don't manage your expectation of what the business is, you're going to end up bitter and pissed off. <laughs> right. You know, um, it's a business. I can't even, I can't stress that enough. And this is just from me being from the inside of a wall of a major label. These labels have, you know, they have employees that they have to pay. They have bills that they have to pay. They have board members that make decisions. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them are, are funded privately, believe it or not, mm-hmm. depending on the label. You know, they've got, they've got board members to appease. It, it, it's a, it's a long process. Right? When it comes to major labels. So as a whole, to the business, learn as much as you can. Learn as much as you can and always treat it as a business. But don't ever forget the music aspect of it either. Yeah, the music is just as important as the business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget you got started in this because you love the music. You, I mean, you love music so much that you learned how to make it. Right. And that's, right. That's something that not a lot of people can say, you know, so so don't forget that. I mean, I know it can be it can be stressful. It can be nerve wracking to, you know, try to find these opportunities and have doors closed in your face or whatever. But, you know, remember why you got started and what you're doing it for. And now there's so many tools at your disposal that even if a major label isn't necessarily the route for you. There, there is a way for you to find your audience and make a living off of that audience while being true to the music that you love to make. Yep, there, there's many tools. And if you feel like you don't have a budget to get stuff done, then you need to go out there and think of a side hustle that you can do that's mm-hmm. going to help generate some money into funding your career. Right. And it doesn't right. have to be music-related. If it means you're walking dogs every Saturday for how many hours, just mm-hmm. to use that, 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 that money to go into the studio or do whatever, then you do what you have to do. I understand a lot of artists have a nine-to-five job. They can't really do that. Well, you got to, like, again, create a side hustle. There's so many different things you can do right. <laughs> to generate yes. money into your, into your career or your budget. So think right. outside the box. Got you. And again, I I appreciate, um, you know, you taking the time to speak to our audience and to help, you know, give some mindset behind 
the success for independent artists. So for those who want to stay in touch with you or maybe they're interested in your coaching programs, how do they get how do they get in touch with you? Um, you can visit me at digitalqueenbee.com. My new website goes up later on this afternoon. Um, but most likely you can always find me on Instagram. I will always be in my DMs. I try to answer every single one. So feel free to DM me, leave me a comment on um, Instagram. It's the digital queen bee okay. is my username. And um, you can always, yeah, I'm on the gram. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I will certainly link to your socials and your website in our show notes. And again, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no problem. And that's going to wrap our interview. Uh, that was Bianca Moore, the digital queen bee. I am super grateful that she decided to take time out of her day to speak with us. Um, it's always great to have someone who understands marketing, who understands the power of building an audience. And that is something that we are going to be drilling down on for the rest of this year. Um, teaching you growth strategies, teaching you how to find your fans, how to turn them into really loyal customers so that you can start off 2019 like never before. So uh, I really hope you guys got something out of that interview. If you have any questions for me, uh, shoot me a message. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, at KDMR Music. Join the Indie Club. It is at kdmr.us slash indie club. Uh, we're in there every day. I go there to answer questions um, and to connect you guys with each other. We've got about 200 members right now, and I'd love for you to be number 201. Uh, so I hope to see you there. But until next time, peace.